0: that we love to chat we love to help and that's a fact so we have made it our mission to find stuff out from diagnosis and education streaming out of your frustration chat to folks who have been there too collect it together and share it with you if you do know someone we should speak to
1: send them our way and that's what we'll do we like to have our sensory matter you know what Hi everyone, it's Jenny here, and today on Sensory Matters we have got Saffron. Hi Saffron, how are you? Hi, not bad. Cold. But other than that, not bad. Yeah, (laughs) and as you can probably tell by the accent, Saffron's from Canada. um, In the middle of Canada, is that right? Um, Smack dab in the middle, actually. So Yeah. yeah, I'm
0: in Winnipeg. So very hot in the summer, very cold in the winter,
1: not much in between okay but that must be the best of both worlds right
0: uh if you consider minus 50 and plus 100 fahrenheit the best of both
1: worlds sure yeah it sounds good to me (laughs) i like i like distinct seasons so yeah good so so you've got snow at the minute we have snow at the minute and we're going to have snow for the next six months so Do, yeah. do, you, do you, is the excitement of snow worn off for you? Do you get excited when it comes?
0: I've lived here for more than 35 years. Snow has totally worn off on me at this
1: point. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose it would.
0: Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, see, I snowboard, you see. So in the, I, I live in Scotland and the mountains in Scotland do get a bit of snow, but not tons. So I spend um, my winters, I like to go to Europe and snowboard, so it's proper snow. And so I get very excited by snow. So, yeah, I should move to Canada.
0: We, we know, well, maybe. You should maybe move out to like BC because they do have the mountains. Here it's, it's very snowy and very cold, but also very flat. So, um, like, there's a joke that between China and Winnipeg there are two trees and those are where the crops cop- <laughs> hide. Okay.
1: Not a lie <laughs> so, yeah yeah well i have I have I have been snowboarding and whistling, so as I always say that's snow all day, um, but that's not why we asked you to come on um we wanted you to come on the show because you're very you, you have autism, but you're also very passionate about being the your own best advocate, which I feel will be I want to hear and learn more about, so that our listeners can get some tips from you on, so they can. Um, But before we get into that, let's start at the beginning um, with you and when you got a diagnosis and, and where your story begins.
0: I didn't get a diagnosis until I was 35. It was very late. Wow. Yeah. And now my doctors all kind of go, I don't know what, how did it take so long for you to get diagnosed? Because they all they're all like, you are a textbook. And I'm like, well, thank you, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was 35. I I had a, a student doctor, so a PhD candidate was, work, was working with me. And I had been told by a couple of doctors before that, you can't be autistic. I will never forget the, the doctor telling me, you can't be autistic because you're too articulate and you can't be autistic because you're a woman okay and I was like I don't think it works like that I need a second opinion and then my doctor sent me back to the same guy so I was like I actually need a second opinion yeah. so, uh and and so I I re- received my initial diagnosis at about 31 and that was Asperger's but it wasn't on the books because the person who said it was a student still. Uh, okay. And then I had to change doctors, and I had to get on waiting lists, and eventually I got uh, an appointment for a diagnosis with a with a diagnostic psychologist who's a specialist in adult in in adult autism diagnoses. And, uh, we worked, I think it was two or three sessions. Like it was a couple of afternoons and, and I got a diagnosis. And since then I've been working with a, um, with a trauma therapist more than anything because I also have PTSD, but that'll come from not being diagnosed until you're 35. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I speak to everyone who has a late diagnosis also has other issues because they've spent their life wondering or feeling that there's something wrong with them or you know whatever and 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 getting that diagnosis becomes a big relief and it's like well it's not there's nothing wrong with me it's just the way I am yeah that was the way it was for me it was what I did I cried
0: when the doctor told me you have autism you're autistic Mm -hmm. And I started to cry and she was like, why are you crying? And I was like, because for the first time I have an answer, why everything has always been so hard. And yeah, it's, and I keep hearing that from people over and over again, people who haven't been diagnosed until 28 or 35 or 50 something. Mm. And, and it's always, I felt so much relief because I'm not, I'm not the problem. Yes. And there isn't a problem. I'm just different. Yes. So, Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So what, what was it that um, triggered you to, I presume you pursued your diagnosis. So what was it that made you decide, I'm going to go look, f- investigate this?
0: Well, I had been like many people, like many women on the spectrum, I'd been misdiagnosed many, many times. I'd been misdiagnosed with I'd been misdiagnosed bipolar, I'd been misdiagnosed BPD, I'd been misdiagnosed everything under the sun, and been put on all the medications, which, not good. Um, and then it was actually Alice over at Girl with Curly Hair, and Ooh, yep. I started reading her memes and I was like, that's me, that's me, that's me, yeah. that's me. <laughs> and. Uh, and then I I started looking into other things, and I was like, that would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. And so it took, I'd say it probably took about seven years to finally get that diagnosis at 35. Wow. So being your own advocate and having that stick-to-itiveness and, and just not taking no for an answer when somebody gives you a stupid answer like, you can't be autistic because you're a girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, it's, I'm a big believer in that because it's the only reason that I finally have an answer myself, so.
1: And what what difference has that made to you? Because obviously you had the initial relief. Um, What difference has it made since then? It's, well, I mean, it's definitely helped a lot with trauma therapy
0: because there's a lot of your burden and your broken and your bad that gets hammered into your head as a kid and as a young adult and finally having an answer, it's like, no, I'm not bad, I'm struggling. No, I'm not evil, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I'm struggling because of this, because you're trying to fit a round
1: peg in a square hole. Mm -hmm. So, So and in terms of, sorry, carry on. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So in terms of your autism, what is it that, that, because everyone's is so different what is the melting pot of your autism what what things do you struggle with
0: uh i struggle with uh i struggle a lot with uh, with interaction like i am horrible at reading intent i am horrible at reading facial features i've never been able to make eye contact um
1: well you're doing a great job of it today
0: well, that's because I'm staring at a camera, not at you. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so reading intent, which has led to a lot of not nice people coming into my life and telling me, I'm your friend. Okay. And somebody says, I'm your friend and they smile and so I take them at their word. And bad things tend to happen, which also leads to the PTSD. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um I I have a lot of sensory issues like light this light behind you right now is driving me crazy and I'm probably going to have to walk around with sunglasses for the next day and a half after this okay. um I have noise sensory issues I have trouble distinguishing voices from one another okay. um, I have issues with with touch and with texture and it's like lots and lots and lots of different sensory issues at all times and i'm not very good with i'm not good with people unfortunately i like people most people are very nice but um i can't read intent and i can't read facial features and i can't look people in the eye
1: so (laughs) so that's interesting when when because you mentioned that you had a your first unofficial diagnosis from the student was asperger's yeah and and that is much more commonly associated with having those social issues, isn't it, yeah. rather? Yeah. Um, although over here, they now, and I think where you are, they now don't differentiate between the two. It's all just autism spectrum disorder.
0: That's what happened was I had my initial diagnosis of Asperger's and I was covered under my, my uh, what's it called? I also have trouble putting words together sometimes. Sorry about that. Um, My insurance covered me up until the DSM-5 came out at the end of 2012. And then they told me, um, we're not going to cover you anymore because your diagnosis doesn't exist anymore. So you have to get re-diagnosed. And it took me another four, almost five years to actually get that. So now my diagnosis is ASD with PTSD and, and social anxiety and general anxiety. So
1: now they'll cover me. Wow. So So what did that mean for those years where they didn't cover you?
0: Uh, that just meant that I was on my own. Wow. Yeah. So I had an answer. Sorry, Chewy Jam. I never go anywhere without them, by the way. Good stuff. (laughs) We like to hear that. And, um, yeah, like I, was, I was on my own. So I had an answer and basically I just had to be my own best therapist as well. So I had to look for what other people were doing and I had to look to other people in the community. So I had to find um, all the other YouTubers out there who are talking about stuff and going, try this and try that. So I would try this and I would try that. And this wouldn't work, but that would. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, it was
0: a really hard four or five years
1: years there. Yeah. Because I would imagine there are lots of people, I can think of people I know that are sitting there knowing that they have autism, but are on the path to diagnosis. And in that kind of no man's land of, well, I can't get the support because I haven't got the diagnosis, but I really need the support. And you've been through that period yourself. Yeah. So what what would be your kind of tips for people in terms of managing that period how can you help yourself
0: well the first thing is to not let other people try to convince you out of what you know like i knew that i had asperger's i knew that i fell on the autism spectrum and i knew that all i needed that what i needed was the paperwork so the number one thing that was on my list was you need to get the paperwork but that doesn't get you through the day-to-day no. so what i ended up doing is i basically just wrote down everything so every time a doctor said no what doctor what time what did they say exactly my godmother who helped raise me is spent 30 years as a reporter and about 20 of that as a courtroom reporter so she is has always been a huge advocate of write it down, record it. And so I kept a journal of every single time a doctor said no, every single time, every single appointment, everything. I kept track of everything. And what actually ended up getting me the diagnosis and helping me the most was I wrote out my account of what it was like for me, the things that I struggled with. The fact that I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I was eight and a half, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the problems that I've always had looking people in the eye, the problems that I've always had with, with textures and with, and when I when I have a meltdown and I start smacking myself in my in the head, I just it took me about six months and it ended up being about fifteen pages, mm-hmm. and I condensed it down to about ten. Mm-hmm. And what I ended up doing when I finally got to to the top of all of those waiting lists is I just hand it to the doctor. And I go, because when I'm sitting down with somebody, I'm concentrating so much on the mask that getting the words out is very hard. So yeah. I just handed them and I was like, this is what's going on. Yeah. And then the next doctor, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. Pardon me, this is what's going on and and that helped a lot so having that account actually sitting down spending a few months thinking it all out and, and and categorizing it and going I have problems with this and I have problems with this and I have problems with this and I have problems with this writing it all down and being able to hand it to the doctor that helped a lot and in the meantime at the end of every appointment write it all down in the journal and like my godmother always says record everything yeah. So,
1: yeah yeah no that's a great tip and i guess through that process as well you probably i know it sounds crazy but got to know yourself even better
0: yeah but- i i got to know myself i got to know what symptoms were really, really important to getting me di- to, to getting me a diagnosis? What were the things that I really struggled with? So when I finally met my trauma therapist for the first time, I was able to just hand her that 10 pages and go, this is everything that I have problems with. And she, was, and she looked at it from the point of view of somebody who specializes in PTSD. And she was able to go, well, I can see how this and this and this and this and this all mm-hmm. would have contributed to that as well. So it's helped with that as, uh, as well. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: We're going to take a quick break to tell you about this week's special offer. Throughout March, you can get a Bubba Bangle free when you buy any necklace from our website, www.chewygem.co.uk. Simply add your Bubba Bangle and your necklace to the basket, type in the code Bubba, and you will get your Bubba Bangle for free. And don't forget, if you need any help and support, you can join our Facebook group, the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, and PTSD, as you said, is is another common extra added on bonus to a lot of people with um autism as well. So from that, um what what does what does your trauma therapists do is it does, does she, is she able to put to bed and help you put to bed some of those past things are you finding it a productive relationship
0: one of the things that i were that i struggle with the most is like a lot of people with ptsd is dissociation and i have lost entire months to just haze and it's not good mm. um but working with dr gillis over the last two years, we've, like, yes, you open up the the ugly black bleeding boxes in the back of your head, and you sort through things, and you deal with things. And then you put them in a clean box and, and, and kick them to the back of the closet, and you're done with that. Mm. That's part of trauma therapy. The other part is learning how to cope. And so learning how, so learning exercises, learning things like learning how to tell when i'm about to dissociate and pulling myself back Mm. and that has been that has been the the second prong of trauma therapy that has really really helped over the last two years
1: so how do you recognize what for, for yourself when that's about to happen
0: for myself feeling it's 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 a very hard thing to put into words. It's just I, I can tell the feeling. I can tell that I haven't done anything in an hour, that I've just been sitting here in the chair staring at the wall, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling a little out of body, and I'm a little freaked out, but I don't know why. There's like a general thrum of anxiety running underneath it, yeah. running, running underneath everything, but I don't – everything just feels – and then I'm like, okay – what's one thing, what's, what are two things, what are three things, what are four things, what are five things? Sit on the floor, spend some time with the cats, and there's one of them right over there sitting in his man cave. So mm-hmm. spend some time with the cats, do a painting, do something, bring yourself back behind your own eyes, yeah. and force yourself to stop dissociating. And it's not easy because your brain is trying to protect you.
1: Yes.
0: And... So you have to go, no, 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 everything's fine. What are you trying to, what are you trying to protect me from? Okay, everything's fine. Yeah. Let's, let's do something. So that's, yeah. And, and fighting it doesn't work because, because, yeah, your brain is trying to protect you. Your brain is, is dissociating you from the world because it thinks that you're in fight or flight mode. Yeah. and it's and it's trying to fly yes. so yeah so you have to so you have to be kind to yourself
1: yeah
0: and at the same time sort of kick yourself in the butt and go no like stay behind your own eyes everything's okay yeah so yeah sorry the heat
1: just went on that's all right it, but again you'll need it at minus 20. yeah it's um, minus 20 i'm not going to turn it off no it's so, all right <laughs> um so so that's that's interesting the whole fight with your brain because it's it's exactly what you say your brain's trying to do what's right physically yeah um and and it's it's not fighting it as much but just helping it understand or control it i suppose that it doesn't go into that caveman mode of just shutting down and legging it yeah um, just
0: shutting down and blacking out it's like i don't want to black out the next 3 days What's freaking me out? Okay, well, how do we fix it? Yeah. And how do I get myself back to a baseline
1: yeah. as well?
0: So play with the cats, you know, watch something on YouTube, do a painting, something you know, do something that forces you to stay right behind your eyes. Yeah. and be present. That's something else that my trauma therapist and I have worked on a lot over the last couple of years is just be present. How to be present. Mm-hmm. And not just sort of float through life and come back two weeks later and go, honestly, I don't remember maybe 10 days of the last 14. That, that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. But when we started, that was what I would say at the beginning of every session. She would ask, you know, how many days have you lost? And I would be like 10. Now, I actually haven't lost... A day and six weeks, almost eight.
1: Wow. So, I know. Well done. So you.
0: obviously we're doing something right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So what about your family and things? How did they all react to your diagnosis? Were they like, oh, my God, we knew all along? Or were they shocked? Or
0: I unfortunately don't have a very supportive family unit, so I don't have a lot of support. The one person I do have is my godmother, yeah. is... The court reporter yeah um she and i are on the phone like two or three times a week and she has always been my best advocate besides my, beside myself Great. and she has always protected me and been fantastic been like the best auntie you could ever
1: ask for so fantastic yeah. that's good and so you said right at the beginning there that you know people said to you the doctor said to you um my god your textbook um, you know, why, why is this not being picked up before? like the
0: third doctor said your textbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how
1: has how it not been picked up earlier? How did you get to age 35 and get a textbook diagnosis?
0: Uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this that will, I was raised by fundamentalist Christians and okay. so my parents tended to try and pray things away okay. more than anything. Yeah. So I didn't get the medical care that I needed as a child. So, yeah.
1: Okay, and school, was it a, a school similar? Well, at school I was very, very
0: bright right up until, like Dr. Atwood says, I was very bright up until I hit like grade eight Okay. And so right up until I was about 14 years old. And then I was like, screw the rules because the rules don't work. And Mm. yeah, and I ended up dropping out at 15, not quite 16. And I didn't go back and get my adult education diploma until I was 28. Okay, but you did it. I did it.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, that, that. 12 years in between was not fun or pretty and it's not something i like looking at unless i'm in trauma therapy
1: so yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah fair enough okay so um career-wise then you you had you ran your own business for a while with web design yeah
0: i've been well i've been building websites since i was what 17
1: well i so, read somewhere that you you made your first computer at age 10 or something yeah so I as you do
0: (laughs) so I built my first website at 17 and I used to run websites for a couple of uh a couple of people who were at the time quite big in Hollywood like people who've worked with folks like Vin Diesel Mm. you know and uh and Rufus Sewell and Mm. I've I've and it was really great, and I did it for a long time, uh, but it's not really something that I enjoy anymore. Like I know that I'm good at it, mm-hmm. but there's so, there's so much stress attached to it, and it's mostly the interpersonal stuff. It's the getting clients part mm-hmm. that I'm not good at. I'm good at sitting at my computer and parsing out code, no problem. Mm. But actually, glad handing and shaking and and talking to people and networking can't do it to save my life. So, yeah.
1: So would would maybe if you could design that job perfectly for you, it would be just being told, "We need this bit of code. You go do this bit of code. You message people, and you don't really have to do the human interaction bit."
0: Yeah, uh, but I love the artistic part of sitting down with somebody and having a jam session. And I just caught myself saying that, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, But sitting down with somebody and figuring out what they need, because I love doing stuff that, doing things that make people happy. That's Mm -hmm. why I make soap. That's why I make handmade cards, because there is nothing, you're having a horrible day and you get a handmade card in the mail. I dare you to not start smiling. And you get a beautiful bar of, of handmade soap that's almost too pretty to use. Don't do that, by the way. Use the thing. <laughs> and it smells beautiful, and it makes you feel good. And that does it for me. And it's the same thing with building a website for a small business. It's struggling, and then you, you do your job, and you do it well. And at the end of it, they're, like, you know they have 75 seats and 300 people show up to opening night and you feel really good about that and that is what i live for um the problem is the is is the dealing with all the people and the networking and the glad handing that comes up to that and happens after that i'm not so good at that (laughs) so yeah
1: okay so then obviously from from running that business you you've done art and now at the moment you make soap don't you
0: I make soap. I, I, I make, I, uh, take two. Um, what I do is right now I'm kind of stuck in another limbo right now because I'm on disability and disability makes it very hard for me to get off disability. Okay. So I can't sell soap because they will claw back a hundred percent of the cost of the soap okay and that means i can't save 30 percent for taxes which means i'm actually worse off than i was before i sold the bar so yeah okay and it's and it's frustrating so
1: So is that I, i don't know anything about how things work in canada in that sense if you're is that how it works for anyone that's on disability if you make any extra income as your own business you have to basically give it back basically go yeah. in Manitoba okay
0: I, I can't speak for all the other provinces in Manitoba disability is considered a last resort okay. so they and they don't eat de- like they don't even cover rent um, completely so I kind of have to figure out where to find the rest of that and it's not it's not fun no. it's not fun at all
1: no. yeah it sounds like a bit of a catch 22 you're kind of stuck in that situation so if you could wave a magic wand what would you like to happen what would you like to do i would love to do things that are useful
0: that make people happy and i think that's what everybody really boils down to is you want to do things there's that old quote from aristotle where your how does it go
1: i, I could google it I'll google yeah. it yeah my phone aristotle quote what's he roughly saying uh aristotle quote. i'm i'm struggling with words i'm sorry where oh, your. It, we are what we repeatedly do
0: no where, no where your gifts and the needs of the world meet therein lies your vocation
1: ah there we go yeah So looking through all his quotes, he's got loads of great ones. Happiness depends upon ourselves. So true. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Aristotle got a lot wrong, but his, his memeables were very, very on point. So, yeah. So where your, where your gifts and the, and the needs of the world meet, therein lies your vocation. So, and, and the Japanese talk about that too. The things that you love, the things that the world needs, that's, you find that spot in the Venn diagram, that's a sweet spot, and like a lot of people, I would love to be able to make soap, and paint, and make YouTube videos, and blog, and still be able to pull together enough to cover food and rent every month, so, but right now I can't, so I'm working
1: towards it, but... I'm sure you'll get there considering how formidable you've been in pursuing your diagnosis and life and there's no you've already proven proven how strong you are and what you can achieve
0: thank you, thank you. yeah
1: so let's let's get to the meat of being your own advocate so what do you mean by that because it's something you feel very passionate about
0: it is because if there is anybody out there who has had to do that it's me um a lot of some people have wonderful supportive family units that have their back and will march into a doctor's office and go she needs help or he needs help and that's wonderful but there are a lot of us especially those of us who fell through the cracks when we were children Mm -hmm. that are looking for adult diagnosis that don't have that Hmm. and we don't have I personally don't have a, a big support system. I don't have a loving, supportive family around me mm-hmm. to, you know kick down doors for me and go, no, she needs help now. Uh, so you have to, it's, it comes down to that same tenacity to, to being your being your own best advocate means, I suppose just that. Is yeah. having to is not giving up on yourself and knowing and knowing yourself well enough to know that this the way things are right now isn't working and I need help. Yeah. And being able to kick down those doors yourself. And I don't kick in doors, I knock politely <laughs> and you know, and go, If you have a moment but you know, you do that on enough doors eventually somebody will listen. And I was lucky enough, it took until 35, but eventually somebody listened. So I think being your own best advocate is a huge thing and everybody needs to do that. Even if you do have that big support system around you, you need to know your own story. You need to know what you need more than, more than anybody else in the room because... Especially I find people on the spectrum, we tend to get spoken over a lot. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so if I'm sitting in the doctor's office with somebody else, like with a parent or with one of my siblings or with somebody else, they'll be talking with the doctor and then I'll, you know, keep trying to put my hand up. And it actually happened with me with a specialist a couple of months ago is he was like, oh, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And I'm like, but that's not, I ha- I'm i not experiencing that. Oh, I'll just send you in for an MRI. No. <laughs> yeah. And you have to be able to say no, because nobody else, especially when you're you're an adult trying to find a diagnosis or trying to find help after diagnosis, unfortunately, nobody else is going to advocate for you. Yeah. And you have to do it. So... Keep a journal. Write it all down. Record everything. If Barbara taught me anything, if my godmother taught me anything, anything it's record everything. So,
1: yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a good idea. The other thing that just struck my mind there is whether you've got supportive adults in your life or just or not. Um, I think one of the challenges that a lot of people who go through an adult diagnosis face as well is other adults going. But you're 35 and you survived this long and you're doing okay why would you want to you know do that and um, so you've got all these voices kind of almost challenging your own what you know is right that yes i do want this and i do need this but all these voices other adult voices around you saying but you don't need it because you've survived this long so why why pursue it sort of thing so from listening to you i'm i'm almost thinking being your own advocate is also exactly what you said about having the strength to know yourself and know that despite all these voices, you, you should pursue it. If that's what you want.
0: Because a lot of, I, I got that after the first two doctors said, you can't be autistic because, yeah, and I had one or both to different varying degrees of my parents tell me to, just to lay off. And you've, that sentence, you've survived this long. It's like, yes, I've managed to survive. I've managed to keep my head above water. I've managed to not end up a statistic, Yeah. but I would like to actually do more than just survive. Like I'd to like live. to have a chance to thrive. Yes. And the best way for me to do that is to have those letters behind my name yeah. and to be able to say, no, this is it, and to get the help so that I can do more than just survive, so that I can do more than just subsist, so I can actually thrive.
1: So, Absolutely. yeah. Because it's not, I mean, people think that, I mean, yes, okay, the, the, the diagnosis can open doors to give you the support that you need, definitely. Um, but from everyone that I've spoken to, the biggest thing is putting your own internal demons to bed. Yeah. Because you've lived with it, thinking what's going on, what's going on, questioning your whole life. And and, and it goes back to what we said right at the beginning, that, that, that kind of big sigh of relief that it's just the way I am. It's nothing I've done. I'm not behaving wrongly. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just the way I made. Um, yeah. I'm made. Yeah. Well, especially those- when you've been told your whole life that you're bad and you're naughty and
0: you're wicked and and you're lazy like you didn't like you didn't even bother to learn how to ride a bike until you were eight years old you're so lazy we're going to take your bike away and give it to your sister no i really had trouble with that (laughs) because i have trouble walking a straight line still so it's
1: the reason i don't wear
0: high heels
1: so yeah. yeah and yeah so i think being your own advocate as well is is you're not pursuing it for anyone else other than yourself yeah so it's yeah it's just basically following what is right for you
0: yeah Yeah. and for some people just being able to say you know to thy own self be true and to go I know that I'm autistic well that's great Mm -hmm. what I find is a lot of those people have the means to be able to to make do and to and and to thrive despite having trouble surviving hmm. but a lot of us aren't there and a lot of us have that problem and have that question mark in the back of our heads and have always been told you're bad and you're wicked and you're lazy yeah. and being able to put those voices to sleep mm-hmm. and put them to bed and as dr gillis and i as as my trauma therapist and i say put them in a new box and kick them into the back of the closet mm-hmm. uh, that's a huge thing for a lot of people and it's been a huge thing for me so
1: yeah and from from your point of view um in canada what what is autism awareness like is it is it is awareness good is it accepted
0: Ah. Uh, well, I live in Manitoba, which is one of, we only have a, about 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3 million people in the whole province, okay. and about 800,000 of them live in this city.
1: Okay.
0: So, yeah, so that kind of gives you an idea. We're very big, and we're very spread out, hmm. except for this one little cluster. And we're, when you compare us population-wise to, say, BC or Ontario or... Or Alberta, or Quebec, um, we are we're tiny. We're small potatoes. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we don't have. I would say, I I love living in Manitoba, but Manitoba, on the whole, is about ten years behind everybody else. Okay. So, you know, the we're getting there. The community here in Winnipeg and in and in a couple of the other smaller city centers is starting to build but we just don't have the numbers so yeah yeah we don't have the numbers that like Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver does so yeah yeah
1: but but you're seeing that awareness cuz i i see it with what i do that i think awareness is we're, we're hitting that bit in the curve now it's it's taking off you know soon but i think i think it needs to go beyond awareness because i think you could you could ask loads of people are you aware of autism yes i am but um you know do they accept it do they embrace it do they understand it that's that's where i think we're behind um i think awareness is probably quite good in the main but acceptance acceptance
0: maybe. not so much i think manitoba i think canada as a whole is acceptance is and accepting that what The autistic community needs what what autistic people need is different from other disabilities
1: yes
0: so like i would love to be able to work a a straight job like a regular nine to five i can't though because i like i don't have i have so like the sensory problems are there and the interpersonal problems are there and I, I can't hold, I've never been able to hold down a job for more than like six to 15 months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now that I have a diagnosis, I don't know that, I've, that I'd even be able to get in the door. Mm. So yeah, awareness is great, but acceptance is the next step and we, we need to get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's good that, that you know, awareness is, increasing. I, I definitely see a lot more noise around autism than, you know, a decade ago, for example. It's it's gaining momentum, which is fantastic.
0: Well the fact that people are starting to realize that it is a spectrum yeah. and that you can have everywhere from somebody like me to somebody who's completely nonverbal and and self harms and has to wear like a hockey helmet to yeah. keep themselves and try and the fact that people understand that you've got everything and that they're all valid and that they're all problems and that they're all struggles. Yes. And I like to think that we're getting there. Yeah. I like to think so.
1: Yeah, I but, think so. And I think just the yeah. more yeah. that we have conversations like this and we put it out on the internet and we make sure that those voices are heard, then the better we'll do with, with impacting on that.
0: Well, I'm not the only autistic person in my family. My cousin, who's three and a half years younger than me, is also on the spectrum, he was nonverbal until he was like seven. Wow. Okay. and yeah. and but if you look at the things that he has problems with and the things that I have problems with, they're like ninety percent the same mm-hmm. but he was able to get to get a diagnosis and i wasn't because i didn't have a speech delay and he mm. did yeah so yeah Yeah. so it's it probably
1: more obviously urgent more flaggable than you know girls also, it who was tend the to.
0: 80s and everybody still thought that it was still all boys yes so, yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah. Okay. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, it really has. Is there anything that you want to put out as your final message to the world? Don't give up on yourself. You know who
0: you are and you know what your truth is. So start a journal, write it down. Don't take no for an answer. And just, if you know, in your heart that there's something up and that. Like I said, I started with Alice Rose memes and I was like that really connects. And why am I clicking like, like, yes, yes, yes. On 95, 98% of these or something else. If you're having that, don't give up on yourself. Don't let other people try and shush you find an answer. Mm -hmm. And especially, I, I don't know about in the States or in the UK, but in Canada, every province has the waiting lists are long but there are services and like i said it took me five years to get to the top of some of those lists but i did it and you can do it too yeah. so don't Absolutely. stop believing
1: i guess break into stone song
0: and um yeah just believe in yourself and And don't let other people try and tell you who you are and what you are and what your story is because nobody knows your story better than you do.
1: Absolutely. And and you're proof that it's worth the fight. I try to be. Well, I think you are. So, yeah.
0: Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. That's been really interesting. All right, Jenny. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye well that's it for this week and thank you once again for listening we really do appreciate it if you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds then go and give us a five-star review on itunes it really helps other people find our content and we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews so go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on itunes to help others find us also so that you know never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye